Hello, everyone. My name is Ben Travers. This is the Astrology Days podcast. Today's guest is Andre Chumley. Andre is a well-versed and skilled musician, tour manager, production manager, booking agent, and my friend for over 15 years. Johnny Kimmock of Astrology Days Records also joined the call. We had a great time catching up and rapping with Andre. I hope you enjoy. Hanging out with Andre Chumley and Johnny Kimmock from Astrology Days Records. What's up, guys? What's up? Hola. How are you, Andre? We haven't talked in so long. Well, we speak via text, but we haven't seen each other in many moons. Yeah. Especially, you know, during this pandemic for the last 10 months or so, 11 months. It's good to see you in two dimensions, my brother. You know, (laughs) um, and we, um, you know. People ask that almost every day. You talk to friends, and my answer is the same. I'm good. I give thanks. I got a roof over my head and food in the pantry and, and a bit of a gut to live on if it breaks down and goes Mad Max. I'm okay for a couple of weeks. But, you know, um, that said, man, I lost a lot of work. I lost – it was going to be the biggest year of my life, 2020, as a touring. That's the irony of it. You know, I, right. I, I was going to have a stadium tour with, you know, Motley Crue and – poison and all that Joan Jett and I um and I lost four other tours so I'm I'm, I'm kind of pensive I'm trying to reinvent my life I'm teaching I'm doing streaming and stuff I'm literally just starting from scratch so right. but I'm good yeah and learning some new skill sets and knowledge along the way that's it and like you you know I always really dig your outlook on life and 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 many other things but you know you always say like uh, especially on the road when we're you know out there together you're like I woke up today and that's and that's always like a thing that always sits with me, um, just in life in general. You know that 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 saying has always just stayed with me. <laughs> well, thanks for the reminder, and and it, I need reminding of that sometimes. Yeah, man, it's you know, let's do it. Here right. we are, and we can get down and and kind of uh, you know not see an end in sight, especially with the pandemic and what you, Johnny, and I do. Um, you know, it's definitely affected our industry um, tremendously. Yeah. Um, but, you know, trying to spin the negatives into positives. And this That's is it. definitely um, one way I feel like to get stuff out um, and to wrap with some friends and uh, to pass the knowledge, you know, to people um, that are listening. And you're doing this, and you're doing the same, right? I mean, you're doing a podcast uh, or video podcast every Monday. Yes, I do a Monday every Monday at three p.m. Eastern. I do a thing called Meatless Monday Meetups, and it's just kind of a thing to. Um, <clears throat> and it's it's well, everyone's welcome. I mean, someone who hunts elk, I've you know, can be on my show because we're talking about environmentalism and how we need to stop. The, the, the big mainstream kind of meat industry, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I say on my, week, on my show every week, 
if folks love lamb or elk or something, let's start eating it locally. Let's, you know, let's get rid of these companies, these factories, cutting down the rainforest type um, production. And let's just eat local food in general, like grow your own food. Look, so it's a show about that, about mm -hmm. environmental. And, and then we get into some recipes and I have some guest chefs and business owners and stuff. So it's fun. And it's, a, it's two and a half hours of not the news. <laughs> we don't talk about the politics or the vaccine or the virus or the, you know, so I think people like that. Um, right. And I, and I wish that more people were, you know, listening or advocating for health or being a little more health conscious, especially during this time, because, you know, our immune systems is are everything. And if we don't really take care of the stuff inside, nothing is going to be particularly good out. Uh, exactly correct and and that's a topic every week i'm always talking about antioxidants and and you know uh immune support and improving your digestion and acid alkaline and and fermented foods all the time we're talking about vaccine I mean, i'm talking about um uh, um <laughs> the virus and how it's created uh, a reason to to bump up your immune system yeah mm -hmm. is there any kind of go to uh, vitamins that you've been doing over the pandemic, you know, I know that zinc is a great one to be always pushing in your body. It, vitamin D. D. Yep. It, it's been so empowering to hear in the mainstream news some of these things that I was talking about in in February, in March, because I did a few very early when this started. I did a few casts about immunity, and I talked about zinc. I talked about vitamin D. Talked about maybe a good mineral complex. I talked about vitamin C in serious doses. Um, and, and essential fats, you know, that, that's crucial to your immune system. So something like flax oil or hemp oil or anything like that and eating good fats, avocado, deep sea fish, mm -hmm. you know, um, things like that. So, yeah, th those are that's a good list. And I love that you're seeing that on the news now. They're saying, hey, vitamin D is, is very right. deficient. Yeah, you know? especially with people uh, not leaving their houses for days, weeks at a time. And that, you know, in the East Coast, we're dealing with the winter months. So we're seeing, you know, mostly cloudy days, dreary. Yep. yep. Yeah. And do you have any, uh, like, guests in mind that you're going to be bringing on in the near future? Uh, I do. Like for anything that you're going to be wanting to cover? Um, well, the other side, yeah, on the Meatless uh, Monday show, I've got a couple chefs coming up, like people who cooked in New York and I, I, I want to push the international thing. So I have a friend in Israel. She's a, a, a vegan in Israel and she's a journalist and an activist. Going to have her on. I've had a guy from Nigeria, had a, a woman from Paraguay. Mm -hmm. um, we've had San Francisco. So I'm, I'm looking at, at pulling in friends from around the world. Someone from Australia was a guest, Chris Haskett from the Rollins band. So I'm, I'm really trying to treat this like a global thing. And so I've got a, a list of other guests. There's um, a, a natural foods restaurant in Jamaica where I'm trying to get them okay. set up to come on. And, and so um, that that's really cool. Um, on the other side, I, I'm doing some stuff with MakeWeirdMusic.com, which is a great website and a YouTube and a Facebook presence. And just like it sounds, it, it's Make Weird Music. And it's not just wacky experimental music. It's anybody doing music outside of the box. So, you know, if you go to their site right now, Trey Gunn is on there, and there's a Steve Vai interview, a Mike Keneally interview, um, different people, Devin Townsend, uh, 
lot of fusion people. So it's it's been really exciting. And Friday night we started our new series for 2021. Um, basically, the show is just called "Talking About Creativity," and and how do you access creativity, especially in these times? But even just normally, what do you do with the writer's block? With you know the, the the challenges of having to learn all the technology. How do you access inspiration, creativity? Mm -hmm. So this week we had um, Trey Gunn and Pat Mastellato, the the great right guys from King Crimson and many other things, and that was great. I was really happy how that went. It's up on YouTube, um, on the Make Weird Music YouTube. I learned a lot. There's a few things where I was like, you know, this is uh, this is powerful. The main thing I learned is I'm really hard on myself, like in terms of I, I reject everything. I, I just don't <laughs> release and, or even finish a lot of things. And I'm like, that's not good. Meanwhile, you pile up years and years of music that actually is pretty good, you know? Mm -hmm. Especially so when I'm, you listen back to it, you know, and you kind of for, had your brain forgot about it. There are those moments. Yeah. So I'm trying to work on that. But so in that realm, j just to wrap that up, I've got a couple guests coming up, like Fernan Reed and David Torn are my guests next week on the 15th. We're talking to Andy West from the Dixie Dregs. He's going to come on. Um, and, and people like that, you know, um, we're trying to reach a bunch of other people. Very and cool. I got a, a nice list of folks. And, and they're, they're finding new and interesting ways to stay creative as you are, obviously. People really are. I mean, even people in their 80s, like Don Preston is one of these people where he's 88. He'll be 89 this year. And he's figuring it out. He's learning Ableton. He bought a push. I mean, can any of us bitch and moan when an 88-year-old man is like, okay, Ableton, what do I do? You know? Yeah, right. Yeah. So. I would love to hear what he's creating with that. Yeah, you know and and like you know to the point where you know you said more and more people are learning new stuff or have the time to that has to um you know have opened up new possibilities with teaching a, uh, a little bit yes and and that's that's my next goal to really tighten that up uh, and i'm i'm trying to do a little a video a promotion video about teaching and try to get some more students that's actually right where i am right now to kind of hit 2021 and kind of do all the corny stuff, build my brand, get the websites and the content flow happening. A lot of stuff that, you know, I, I have because of being in bands, but I want to optimize it. And yes, getting and we more. We really just haven't had the time. You know, Johnny can, can, you know, attest to this too, is like this has been a gift of time for us to do a lot of the stuff that we just haven't had time to do. That's it. Yeah. And you're teaching uh, guitar and bass? Uh, I've got mostly guitar students. One bass student who's an essential worker, so she hasn't taken a class in, in several weeks. But, um, and yeah, mostly guitar. And the one bass student, and I had one synthesizer student. Um, so, um, and then that was teaching basic modular synthesis from scratch. Mm -hmm. Like, what's an oscillator? What's a gate? What's a VCA? Some what's theory. a filter? Yeah, just real... Oh, and I really, uh, yes, like I said, I'm in the zone of like, you know what? There's people out there, a couple hundred million people are, are um, you know, out of work, 
But a lot of them are working, and they, they're trying to fill their day. And, and a friend of mine works at Sweetwater, and he said, dude, the simple $200 Squire Strat pack, you know, with a little amp, we cannot keep them in. <laughs> yeah, and little pianos, little practice. So people right. are staying at home, and they're buying instruments to their kids, drum sets, basses. They're buying stuff, and they're Sweetwater's having the greatest year they've ever had. Mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, if you think about it, like, will that affect a future generation? I right? think because so. if they're stuck in, you know, in their homes for the next X amount of months, years, we don't yep. know, you yep. know, particularly what this is going to affect on our timeline. Um, but that they are tired of the iPad, they're tired of the video games, and they're like, Mom, I want a drum kit, or Mom, I want to take singing lessons and stuff, you know, where, not that I feel art in the industry, entertainment has gone away, but when you see that it's been taken out of the growth process of education and schooling, and maybe this is a time where it can come back. Absolutely, I, 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 yep, in, in, in some conversations, just with a few people, I'm, that's definitely a thing. So, yeah, we're going to have – it's like the baby boom sort of thing. There's going to be so many people newly playing instruments, number one. And then so many of us who've played instruments – I'm a better musician than, than six months ago. I can do all this shit that I'm like, oh, my God. Also, for me, I took one year of theory in college, and suddenly I'm talking to people about the harmonic minor scale and the circle of fifths and how to generate you know, relative minor and – uh, play something in the in the Phrygian mode or the Locrian mode. I'm going like, who are you? <laughs> Suddenly, I know some of the shit I've been playing for years. So, you know, that's what's funny. I've had like a self-taught journey for many years, and now I go back and I'm like, oh, that was D Dorian. I I I didn't know what that was. Mm -hmm. Okay, you know. So that that to me has been for me the the revolutionary thing that. That um, I have the time to, to, yeah, play a little piano every day and, and think about theory and, you know, be able yeah, to. Yeah, different, a different routine for yeah. sure. Yep. Yeah, I'm not really sure, you know, what touring is going to particularly look like post-COVID. Um, I'm definitely under the belief that, you know, this is kind of, uh, what we're just going to be dealing with. I don't think it's going to be going away anytime soon. A vaccine to me is just a kind of a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound because um, this is a virus that mutates. It's already mutating. We're already seeing things um, like that. Um, but there's such a divide, you know, in the country. And we've talked about this, you know, via text. And Johnny and I talk often um, about it. But, you know, I think that's the more trying kind of thing in all of this is that this this the the virus and the politics behind it because it, it was made political and like you know like what you said earlier with other countries i just don't think that they handle it politically they said our people are hurting our people are getting sick and more importantly our people are dying and we're going to handle it the best of the best of you know the best we can do yeah uh, and usually you know you listen to the scientists and listen to the doctors it's 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 just it's proven um but 
for some reason in our country, you know, we just, we've had this divide where people don't want to listen to doctors anymore. And um, they think scientists are taking a, a cut and it's just a scary time just in, in that fact, you know, especially with our industry, because we would be the last to kind of come back. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And, and that, that's a whole other discussion. And all I'll say is, is that um, we're a low math, low science culture. And, and I know that sounds elitist to some people, but we simply are. We have the least amount of people per capita that, that you know, go into the sciences and math. I mean, and, and you go across this country, whether it's Silicon Valley or any high density engineering industry, um, computer sciences and math or professors across. And for better or worse, they're better or worse. They're largely Asians, right? I mean, that's who, that's who is in our infrastructure to a large degree. Not, there's lots of Americans. I'm not saying there aren't any, but we have, um, we're not we're not a math loving science loving culture and what that ends up happening is that past kind of like the science of boiling water or that you'll fall down if you jump off of a roof cuz gravity that's about the limit of it so once you get into these discussions of 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 exponential growth and how viruses spread or 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 droplet density or 12 different types of masks are going to have 12 different types of responses and your little paper painting mask is not an N95. That's why you caught it. Not because it's a conspiracy, but because you wore a shit mask. So all of those kinds of very subtle mathematical things and, 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 and um, trip us up. And so it's very easy for someone to sneak in, send you a video that it's microchips and, and you believe it, uh, you know, um, so, so this this is what worries me because I've I've worried about this for twenty years, as I walk around and, and I I encounter people that don't know that one third is thirty three percent, which is point three three. I mean that right there blows people's minds too much. I think <laughs> it's not good. Yeah, right. And so and and. You know, and, and touring will forever change because of just how, you know, even subconsciously how this is programming us. You know, I, I can't say that I haven't watched a TV show and thought for a second, why aren't they wearing a mask? Oh, all the time. <laughs> Robin uh, and that joke around. Right. <laughs> so so it's doing its job to, to program yeah. us in that in that way. But I think we're all alike where we're just trying to do something for the you know, for the the benefit of, of man, you know, benefit yeah. of humankind. And it's not just all about me, me, me. It's like, right. well, I'm protecting you because I'm wearing a mask and I would like you to do the same and yeah. so on and so on. Yeah. And I think we don't appreciate World War II reprogrammed people. I mean, if you lived through World War II and, and you were in England or in Germany or Poland, loud noises fucked with you the rest of your life. Because you were in bombings, you know. Right. So there's, I think that's one of the other operative things about this vaccine is that it's hit a planet that's had a couple decades of nothing really going wrong, other than things like 9/11 or a war over here. But on the globe, there's just little spots where stuff happens. We don't really experience it, especially in America and in right. the West. Since the, world. the early 1900s, I mean, you could say with the Spanish flu, that was the last right. time we've dealt with a plague-like pandemic. That's it. 
And even the world wars we've had, America really hasn't had to really change their, our behavior that much. The wars are somewhere else. Other than the one time Hawaii was hit, which is essentially another country to, to most people, there's no relationship with with having to do some of the shit we're doing now. So that's where the ignorance lies then. I, you know? I think that's part of it because uh, no one here has a grandmother telling them, we did this for five years. You couldn't get butter. <laughs> you had to be in the basement. All the lights were out because the Germans were bombing. That's what we did. Robin and I, we jokingly bring up Anne Frank every couple of days. And we say, yeah. Anne Frank and six people lived in that fucking three apartment, three rooms for 27 months. Yeah, it was a closet that they all lived in. Yeah. Walking around. It was a couple of rooms, but very small rooms. Mm -hmm. But 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 they, they walked around. When they hid, when anyone was coming, they went behind this mm -hmm. uh, fake wall but 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 the point is for 27 months they figured out a way to eat pickles and and kale and and you and know more importantly stay potatoes quiet. and stay quiet no netflix no ordering domino's pizza no ordering from whole foods or amazon we and we can't do it mm -hmm. yeah I mean, it's very true to look into the future and know that Idiocracy was like a documentary more than a movie just because you could see evolution happening in just humans and technology. You know, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, and what the touring will also look like because like will we go out for this you know for the same amount of time or are things going to be more dialed back what places are we going to be able to play in are there going to always be lesser capacity or you know multiple shows in a day or something you know like yeah. is there going to be like these certain workarounds that everything that i uh, ended up doing this year there was the potential of two shows a day because of the reduced capacity mm -hmm. um it didn't always work out just because of how many tickets were they were able to sell and the, i don't even really think people understood it too much and then they some of the venues especially during the times things would change gradually over the the month or two that it would get booked and then the venue felt differently about having people in there for that amount of time like what it would take to set up two shows sure. you know um and clearing out the room and then cleaning the room and there there were so many things but yeah um, i guess maybe that option would probably work better outside maybe of some sort i mean uh, that is, but even with that it's be chaos they're they're gonna have to change just like we're gonna have to change the way that we tour and um touring to me was it seemed wrong for the past three years <laughs> that I was on the road anyway. I was like, this is, I don't know what it was, but it felt wrong. Like it felt, I don't know. There was something about it, the way that we were traveling, the way that things got shuffled around, it just didn't feel right. And I'm excited to see it come back organically because I think I'm going to make my choices differently living on the road. I think I'm going to, be presented different choices. I think those choices are going to be healthier anyway. I think they're going to be 
better for my community more so than me flying to Missouri for some festival. You know, I don't know. That will certainly be there. But what I'm saying is, is at least in my head right now, I think that it's an opportunity for me to be wherever I'm living is to just sort of benefit that area locally or semi-locally for as long as possible and and give the people a chance to sort of support me doing that if they like what I'm doing because I think that is a way forward you know if we can make money supporting our community in the arts in music in in terms of like teaching and playing the way that we have been without having to go to Asia or having to go to Europe or on a, on, on a regular basis, which I know a lot of us were doing. Um, I think it's going to make everything a little bit more special because we, we kind of have to, you know, if we, if right. we keep behaving as if everything we do is hopping on an airplane for one day to go do something for one day and come home, I, there's so many missed opportunities there for growth, I think, in a community. Right, and the, on the homegrown it's like what you're front. Saying about your, like eating meat, you know, if you're going to eat meat, source it locally. Like, don't support these places that are kind of really screwing up the supply chain and, and just sort of like the way that things, you know, people's general health. Yeah factory farms and everything no you raised a great point about i've thought about that too about the futility of yeah flying to europe for two days and we do that sometimes and now that's in sharp relief whether it's worth it and if you're gonna do it maybe go for a month now and really you know yeah yeah with that being said one of my only two gigs i have booked this year is in asia not, not to know if it's going to actually happen or not, but it's a possibility. And it's like, uh, you know, it has me thinking about like, you know, well, maybe this won't really happen, but it's totally a reality. Like summer is still, we're still trying, you know, sure. yeah, still trying to happen. So, and I'm we're gonna- all traveling veterans, you know, but we're all going to have to change kind of our mindset in a way. Because, you know, you kind of just get oblivious to traveling when you do it so much and you just kind of become a drone, you know, in the airport and just a force field. You're not really paying attention and you're just doing your thing. Um, Now, everything's going to really kind of change. You really have to be uh, aware of your surroundings, you know, more. Um, but the, the uncertainty, you know, especially with traveling and not knowing how people are going to be taking it serious and spreading it potentially and, and stuff, it's going to totally change our, our outlook. Right. And, you know, a lot, a lot of us um, that do tour in bigger groups, like Andre, you're talk- talking about the arena tours and do you know some more medium-sized and to larger size stuff that you've done more recently Ben but um it's amazing with the amount of people that are involved in those productions how much uh I think things get overlooked and the way that things and tend to go off is really rushed and sort of uh maybe even taken for granted to a certain degree because we're doing it every night 
where um you know we just got to get this shit up and get it going and moving it's just got to work and there yep. and uh, i mean to me what you were saying about coming back with like you know maybe duo or at most trio style touring would be maybe doable soon that i mean you know when you when you think about some of the tours we do it's like it's kind of a, a nice thing to think about because everyone can wrap their head around doing their own thing you know i'm gonna go into this place i'm gonna set up my own drum kit this guy's gonna set up the mics this guy's gonna do the sound and then there's a keyboard there and that guy's gonna play keyboards and drums whatever your, your setup would be you know i i think it's a really good opportunity to at least for me um especially when you just said that um kind of go towards that because i think it's a way for everyone to be able to handle something uh without being overwhelmed you know what i mean having six jobs on the road or taking care of somebody's i don't know there's just so much and we've all been through it seen it you know i think no that that's great points and it's what it comes down to the bottom line is you know um it's going to be different yeah what do you guys think about? And I think I, I want to do a. I've been getting around to doing a, a, um, a, a chat, on uh, like like this, but live on Facebook, about the, the this topic. And I'd like to invite you both if you're around. Um, and I've got like Ray Quinn from Martyrs and my old manager Howie Schnee. So some booking agents and some musicians and some touring people. And I want to have a chat about the specific topic. I want to ask you what your thought is. Live Nation, AEG, and Ticketmaster have already floated this idea that they will require the vaccine, proof of the vaccine, to either buy a ticket or come into their show. And it's interesting because the Live Nation CEO, I, I posted this on Facebook two weeks ago, the CEO, right, not some muckety-muck, the fucking CEO uh, floated this, and then he was on TV, and they asked him to his face. They are like, so, dude... Are you and obviously he got some bite back. Either it was angry emails, whatever. But they asked him on the news show. They said, "Are you going to require proof of vaccine for all Live Nation concerts?" And he wouldn't say no. He he said, "Well, yeah, we're looking at the science, and we're going to listen to." It was very interesting. He never said no. Uh, now I'm with him. What the fuck is he going to do, right? How do you promise to five thousand people coming into a theater that it's safe? And unless you do, they're not buying the ticket. So it's an instinct dilemma. So tell me what your guys' thoughts are. Should theaters, Broadway, AEG, everyone, should they require proof of vaccine to, to, to let you into a show six months from now? Um, Benny, you want to go? Johnny, you go. Okay. I, I think just for the one factor in this that this is a virus that can mutate and there's people with diseases or precondition pre-existing conditions that it is just prone to take out <laughs> that alone should should we should be able to figure that out we should be able to figure out how people can get vaccinated and then they can go see they can enjoy their lives somewhat again you know um but i don't think that people can just start going to shows again uh that easily again I'm saying this in 
in a in a situation where I'm going to be having to play some of these shows where I'm not vaccinated, and I have been playing some shows, very few, um, but you know, out of necessity, I've had to play some shows. Sure, I've risks. I've had to risk, you know, infecting other people. Um, but with that being said, on that grand of a scale, just that pure simple fact that this can mutate and it's already taking out um, a portion of the population that we're continuing to ignore um, and stressing out the healthcare system that can't take it. It's like, there's, I, I don't think that opening shows is going to be a priority. Yeah. Oh, but that's the thing though. It could be if it's hardcore vaccine only, because suddenly you now have a safe zone. You need more people, I think in, in that, uh, in those positions of that CEO to not say, well, we'll see what the science says. We need those people in those positions, big ups in the, in the entertainment industry that are, you know, going to have the final say to be like, Sure. Well, yeah, no, that that's, that, I mean, yeah. Well, unfortunately the science is pretty clear, which is this is going to stick around like the flu and like measles and mumps, rubella, all those things. We've dealt with them for decades and decades. Um, we don't know. It, let's say this thing has, it'll be the first time in the history of studying viruses, but let's say this thing only has a two-year life, right? And so it, it came into the human host in about November, a year, 15 months ago. And, um, but, but, but let's say it's the first time in the history of biology that a virus just dies. That, that has not happened. So let's just say this is the one. So we can't really depend on that. It's probably going to be like all the other thousand viruses, right? It's probably going to be like smallpox and the bubonic plague. I mean, you know, the black plague is still here, right? You know, a few dozen people die from that per year. Do you mm -hmm. know that? In in the U.S.? In the world. In the okay. world, it's okay. Okay. 20 people die. or It's sure. very tiny. But that's a very important point. But it's still point. there. The fucking black plague. It exists. So someone died in Asia during the pandemic, and it was in the news a little bit. But um, I was going to raise another concern and question being that I don't know, and I have, you know, I'm not sure how it's going to kind of, you know, plan, pay, uh, pay out, plan out, but pan out rather. Um, but I have no problem with people having to get vaccinated if they want to go to a show. And obviously, Live Nation, like you said, AEG, they're covering their own asses. Private um, business. Right. When it comes down to it, everything is insured. Insurance is, you know, our lifeline, right? So being that every business is insured, including the venue that they're dealing with Live Nation and, and AEG, they're not going to allow crew into their establishment without them showing a health pass. Just like we're seeing now that they're already setting us up to say, you're not gonna be able to travel abroad. Yeah. If, if you can't show a positive uh, or not positive, negative test. A, yeah. neg a negative test. You know? And maybe the vaccine, some countries may start. Th this is where it's gonna be a real interesting year, gentlemen. And it's funny, and, and John, you made me think about what if they really up the bar and they say, sorry, no one can enter our theater. No one. None of the caterers, the bus drivers, the truck drivers, no one in the band. Nobody enters this door without scanning their phone, which there'll be some new system. You know, um, that fucks with me because I'm not certain I want to get this vaccine. I, you know, 
I'm not. What about you, John? Are you? Are you? Would you get it, or are you undecided, or what? Where do you sit on the actual vaccine? I'm. I'm totally for it. I want to get it, and I think that I'm at this point where I'm so far down the line that I've got a long window to see it evolve. Thank you. That's perfect, bro. That's my exact answer. I'm like, I want it, but you know. Oh, sorry, I cut you off. But sorry. No, just the fact that. I mean, it, it sucks in a way, you know, you want to just sort of believe here it is like this is going to get me back to work. It's not um, not for us. So the fact that it's down the line and we can see how this goes is um, a beneficial good for me to for my well-being. Um, but, yeah, professionally, like you said, um, I, I honestly think it could be theater to theater that would would be changing their not just like a state thing or a country thing. It's, I, I really think people are going to operate how they want to operate. Mm-hmm. Um, the free market though is going to affect them in a harsh way. I mean, you know, you're simply not going to get critical mass of people. If, if it's six months from now and we're still seeing infections, still seeing deaths, which is certain. I, I think like the Sellers, Sellersville theater, we've all been there. You sit pretty close to each other. How many people are just going to go? Yeah. Sellersville isn't requiring negative test or vaccine. I'm Shout out gonna... to Nick from Sellersville. <laughs> uh, I mean, do, do, you th- what, do you think there'll be enough people? Maybe there will. I, I'm, I'm spitballing. I don't know. Maybe you think there'll be enough people to fill that place who just say, doesn't bother me. I'm going to take the risk. Do you think there's enough? Uh, I mean, if you if that theater changed hands, yes. I think <laughs> the people in the arts are simple pathetic most people and would not however i will say i have been asked to come there and play a gig you know like not too far from now okay thinking about doing it but they would be doing like half capacity or something like that right literally i think maybe like 20 25 tickets or something gotcha gotcha well, yeah, you're right. That is a different scenario. But all I'm saying is, is these things will, I mean, I think that the capacity thing doesn't bother me so much right now, just because I, I think it's necessary and, and the only, you know, marginally safe way to do anything. But um, when you're talking about sticking that many people into a room, you're talking about a certain mindset that i don't think people that own theaters have like they can't really be that risky with they, they just can't legally their their whole thing is based on people that would fill the rooms you know um that's one of the things that that i've been so fortunate is that i've been on just about every side i've never owned a club that's the only thing i've not done but i've been the guy on the hook for the show I got to write the check no matter who shows up. So I've been the promoter. I've been the booking agent many, many times, my own band, other bands. I do promotions. I write press releases. I do interviews. I get on stage and do the show. So I know that side of it. Then I'm a tour manager. Then I'm a tech. Then I've been a tech and a tour manager. So I'm, I'm, I give thanks because it's enabled me to see like the 360 of this. And you guys too, you know, you guys are nailing all the stuff that people don't talk about. The insurance. How many, John, you just hit the point that no one, brings up which is you need a certain amount of people in the show before the show's making money people understand that 
You go see a band, there's 20 people. The owner's sucking wind. You don't make money till there's a certain amount of people. And even at that, you're still maybe, you know, breaking even. You're happy to break even, actually, because you got the right. lick take if it's, the, if it's your bar. But, I mean, people don't realize it's, that's a 70%, 80% number in most markets before you're even smiling as a promoter. You better, you know. Um, over to the insurance thing a little bit, though. Uh, you, you, you reminded me, Ben, on that. Because there's a Live Nation document that's on Rolling Stone's website. They did a thing on it. They're actually changing a bunch of their, their insurance and a bunch of their stuff. And they're, that's the other thing about touring. Live Nation, they're swinging a ton of the liability back to the band. Sure. And that's where the problem lies because, you know, dealing with tour bus companies or dealing with car rentals or stuff like that, there's just going to be certain clauses now in your insurance um, to, that states a number of different things. Have you been vaccinated? Have you been exposed? Have you had it before? X, Y, Z. Um, and I think that is the main thing to really look at because, you know, we could want to put on a show and we could have 5,000 people that want to come out and see Project Object. But if we don't have insurance that will actually cover the event just in case something happens, the event doesn't happen at all, ever. It doesn't, you can't even turn the lights on without insurance. Um, yeah. And that's just liability. That's, that's everything covered. Uh, so I'm really curious on seeing how that changes uh, things and just touring uh, in general. Oh, it's massive. And, and my boss, Steve Howe, is 73 or, or, or 70, 73 or 4, 73 this year, I guess. And already not too into the, the handshaking and the meet and greets and all that stuff. I don't blame him. Uh, um, and, and the drummer's like 71 or 72, Alan White. The insurance? Do you, can you imagine to insure guys in their 70s to try and tour anytime soon? That just tripled. I mean, mm -hmm. right? What, what insurance company is going to say, sure, we're going to insure you, 74-year-old, to go to a different hotel every day, a different venue, a different bus, and a different plane, and two different restaurants every single day in a different state? Yeah, we'll, we'll write that policy. Please. Do you think that then inevitably it's just going to age a lot of artists and bands out? That's, that's one big thing. Yeah, that's one big thing. So, sorry, John? It's, it's just going to take years for that to shake out how it's going to shake out i mean I'm, I'm from my perspective too i'm 31 my wife is 30 we're both in the arts we both could not afford our apartment immediately when this happened and our whole years were canceled we're in that sort of theater uh you know mid-level theater 500 to 2000 capacity places that um you know, we could have a career from that, but that you know, with this virus, it, it completely shuts that down. And um, just, I'm just saying, even for us at, in at this age, you know, with the cities shut down the way that they are, um, and us having to leave because we don't really have a plan B. You know, we're just artists. That's what you do. Yeah. You no, know, bro, it, it's seismic. I mean, the best thing on your side is you're 30. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, but anyway, but with that being said, you know, like 
there aren't really any jobs to come back to there until they start opening those theaters. Um, and I just, I can't stress enough how much I think no matter you're 30 or you're 70, any, anywhere in between that spectrum or beyond or below, um, performing locally and, and trying to take stock in what the community has to offer artists right now is, is a huge thing. And this is great too. Like, it's so cool that we can use this program and talk and, and be in all these different places. But I really think that there's, there is all this in our community and it can go a long way in terms of uh, bringing us back to, you know, to normal. Um, yeah, it will be like a natural reset. Correct. It, it, I think, yeah, absolutely. Reset is the word I think of um, every day. <laughs> you know, um, John, who was, uh, I, who, who were you going to be in, um, in Asia with and, and what countries? Because of course, different countries are doing this better than others. Who were you going over there with and where? Um, my pops and George Porter and um, Gaff and I don't know who else would be singing. Um, it's not announced yet, so I'm not like sure to talk about it. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, also probably happened but it's a big festival over there they have it every year um it went virtual this year and they were supposed to have us last year um and you know so everything just got pushed and they're hoping it'll go off um but yeah i mean i've again there's enough time to think about it but right now i wouldn't go yeah can you say which country or you... i thought Sorry. i said Japan okay yeah um so and I love it there I, I just again it's it's kind of going against my intuition to go on a plane somewhere for a day and then one day really and what a bummer that it's not a week of shows at least I'm, I'm sure I would be there more than one day too I'm, I'm probably probably be there for three or four days but I go and do a thing for a day there and then it's sort of up to me probably when I leave, but that's a still, you know, that's, that's me going for one day for that purpose. And then I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to be ready for that for a while, I'm yeah. probably, but I really, I'm, I'm really into what's around me right now and what can I like, what can I feel? How can I get like 30 people outside for something like really special? instead of having to do some of the things where I feel like I'm really pulling these people together to do something maybe they don't want to do or material that, you know, is like for the fact that people will show up and see it, you know, I think it's a good opportunity to try to change that a little bit, you know, at least for me, I would love that, you know, just to be able to come out and do something original for people to hear right as they're able to, you know, because they haven't seen something in so long, maybe just hitting them with something like really unique would be cool. Yeah. Not just your standard blues band or whatever. Right. No, that that's uh, absolutely people are, are, you know, like in the comedy world, like Dave Chappelle, for instance, doing those shows out in the cornfield. Have you seen that? Mm -hmm. He just so, bought a firehouse in Ohio that he's going to turn into a comedy club. I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. You know, um, 
Yeah, man. It's um, another thing you mentioned about touring and buses and stuff. I, I talking to the Yes crew guys about that. Um, we were talking about it just a couple hours ago, and I was saying, first off, good luck finding a bus driver who bless them all, nice guys, sweet guys, but they're all from Tennessee or South Carolina, or West Virginia, right? They're all Florida, Trump guys, MAGA right wing guys. Nine out of ten of them, and that's just nice guys. And I've had some of the best discussions. And and, and truck dr- and bus drivers are one of the they've helped me as a political person in America because I always remind my fellow progressives and left wing friends. I say, hang on, don't lump these people together. That they're all racist. They're all bigots. They're some of them are wonderful people. They just disagree with you, and they voted for this guy, right? Yes, he got yeah, all yeah. the racists, but not everyone who voted for him. So, so the the bus driving community is an interesting one to me because imagine now you're on tour. A lot of these guys are the guys who are not going to get a vaccine, or they think it's fake, or they, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you're on a bus tour, you're in a bus with circulating air that you're breathing all night of twelve other human beings, some of whom may be careful, some who not. But you're putting yourself in their hands every night. Think about that. Right. And even the ones who are careful, including yourself, you've just been in Council Bluffs, Iowa, and you're going to be in Chicago tomorrow, and you're going to be in Cleveland the next night with 200 different people coming that, in and That out also of we're in touch with another 200 people and another 200 people or whatever the case may be. So. It goes, you know, with the it's crazy beginning of the conversation with, you know, like venues are just going to have to do something to um, ensure uh, their customer base, their, their, their clientele, that they're going to be safe, not only when they come into their establishment, but the whole time that they're there. Um, I think, yeah, I think their only choice is going to be hardcore vaccine. It, right. it's about building a wall, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, but I don't know. It's just kind of popping into my head now. Is a, te- a test that's actually reliable, uh, right there on the spot, that would tell someone tell if someone had it or not if they were to walk into a venue or a store. Sure. Yeah, that was yeah. similar to a vaccine in the sense that it would. And I'm talking about a test that would like you know it's really ensured that this yeah sure this works and is correct and. Um, and I think currently right now, you know, we have um, some rapid tests, but they take over 15 minutes. Um, some are obviously uh, false positives. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, uh, you know, we need something that's cost effective. They're over $65 a piece. That's what and, I was going to say. And that's yep. just ridiculous. And that's another thing with insurance. You know, if a venue is insured, they should be able to get a supply of tests and or yep. Uh, contactless uh, infrared thermometers and plexiglass and all that stuff. But, you know, the states haven't got individual help. And we're seeing that suffering (laughs) right now uh, tenfold. Um, And everything's kind of just coming to a head. Absolutely. Well, and again, great. That's a great area, John. And and, um, I've thought about that a lot, too. And that's one of the things in my notes. To, to, for this kind of podcast, so we're overlapping there nicely. But one one of the problems is what Ben said. 
the cost. Because even at 65 bucks, let's go thousand seat place. Let's say it's higher ground and or something. That's 65 grand. Let's say they sell it to you half price. That's 37 grand. 30, 30, uh, 30, per 30, show. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, not, not 37, sorry. Um, 32 and a half grand um, per show. Uh, you know, now, now let's say they per room. <laughs> yeah. Something that they've been able to do in other countries, though, is like test like it's nothing. Well, here's yes. But here's the problem. And this is really the discussion we should be having uh, as Americans. This is the final proof of our political system versus the other ones, because those other countries have what a comprehensive national health program. So that means all 50 hospitals in Iceland are connected on a grid. They have the information is shared. All several hundred hospitals in Germany or Netherlands or the UK is part of one system. It's one system. Someone sits down on a computer in Leeds and they got the information of the Birmingham and the Hull and the London and the Lancashire. How fucked up is that? We're in the dark ages. We've gone the other way where everything's private and it's, it's 300 different hospital corporations, right? Who, who don't talk to each other. So we're, we're scattered into this nightmare and look at the vaccine. We're, we're stumbling to even distribute it, right? We're having so many problems just to get it to the places that can distribute it, not even distribution, but to get it to the places who are set up for distribution. Um, there's just Dude, so many snags. This, this is not going to go well. And mainly because we don't have a medical infrastructure like the Canadians do or the Mexicans or <laughs> the countries we think of as third world, Paraguay and Uruguay, Argentina, my friends there, or, or so that's one of the things. So all these other countries, um, when it was time to start testing, they just go, pow, start testing, y'all. Oh, what are we, oh, you're plugged into the grid. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those said countries, too, are used to wearing masks, even when there wasn't a virus or pandemic going on. Right. Yeah, there's something about that, too, that we have not taken too well. But um, Andre, when, when you traveled abroad, um, more so recently, I'm curious, because I know Ben's felt this, but was there anything in, in you in the last couple of years that not saw this coming, but felt very uncomfortable traveling and didn't have to do with like anything you could really pinpoint other than... In terms of health and safety specifically? Just, I mean, I'll, I'll say it from me and Ben's perspective, and I, I can speak for Benny here, is we would just like kind of look around at where we would end up landing and it just didn't seem right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to, to think of some examples. I mean, yeah, no, I, I have to say the past couple of years have been really a golden couple of years to me. Um, especially a year and a half ago, I traveled a lot. Oh, sorry. That one little thing that's kind of like stuck in the back of my head, like, should I be here right now? You know? Yeah. The only time I had it happen is um, we landed in, um, oh, my God, I forget which country, but somewhere in South America, and it went down like a movie. Like, we, we got through customs, and we got to the end of it, and we were going to our van, and the federales showed up. There was, like, these, <laughs> these guys, and they were like, no, you're paying an exorbitant amount of money. You're staying right here. There's no concert. We were like, what? We got the... 
and calling the promoter. So for like an hour or something at the airport, standing around and, and broken Spanish trying to understand, I, I felt like what you're saying. I was like, this this is this is doomed. We're fucked. We're in whatever. I forget what country it was. Uh, you wouldn't see it coming, but you could. I don't know. I'm feeling I'm feeling that I think more just about everywhere I go, just those little, there's just certain, there's something about it for me, I think. Interesting. The last couple of years, especially just with how many, I think I just went from like one tour to the next, like in a certain way that like affected me um, where it was, it was kind of numbing, but it was also kind of like, I, <laughs> it's exactly the experience you need to get better and to, to sort of persevere, like traveling that way, having to learn and keep different songbooks in your head for different points in the year, some for a day, some for a week, some for a month, uh, but all in a row. Um, it was a strange feeling. It was like, oh, wow, you know, this is, I couldn't be playing better. I couldn't be, you know, sort of you know, soaking up this information is like a, a really, I'm super grateful for it. But I also felt the way in which I was doing it seemed like just really rushed, you know? And I just, I don't know. This was an interesting way for it for it to slow down. <laughs> right, right. So, so it's not that you didn't feel safe, for instance, for instance in these places. You're saying, tell me, it felt like, um, you were rushing from project to project and weren't really getting to, to gel in something and, and kind of settle in a bit. Is that? Definitely. Yeah. But I was getting, I was good at that at that point, you know, kind of coming in. I'm, I think that's why things happen the way that they happen. You know, I was, I could come into some project and sort of just fill in real quick and it, it would be okay. And then I could leave, you know, I think I got known for that type of work um and then the bands that i was in or am in don't really tour regularly they just have this sort of weekend schedule that's a little inconsistent but consistent at the same time or just tour once a year so filling that in with all this other stuff touring wise i think was just i mean it, i grew a lot but it was really confusing on a level that when this happened i was like oh okay well, this is definitely a sign that I needed to slow down. So I did. <laughs> no, I definitely felt a similar um, kind of vibe, um, you know, before the pandemic hit and everything kind of shut down. I was going for almost six months straight from band and project, you know, just pretty much bouncing back and forth. And I think I felt the same way maybe Johnny is talking about where, didn't give ourselves any time to kind of absorb, you know, what was really going on. You're kind of just like, go, 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 go. Um, and living in the present is great, but there's sometimes that you need that time to kind of reflect. And, uh, you know, I was burnt out at, you know, the, the six month mark um, and asking kind of the universe for a break, obviously not as long of a break as this, but it was something where I felt like, you know, if you look at it, we all can really, really um, utilize this time and, and break uh, uh, for, for a positive, you know, 
Um, but I definitely felt that way on the last couple tours where I was just not feeling like I was where I was supposed to be. And maybe that was just because I really didn't get over the previous tour. Um, right. could or, be you know, head or it could be physical manifestation, but sure. And I was with you on that. And we did a lot of that touring together. Yes. And that's why I'm interested in, at how other people sort of were feeling in those years previous, just right then, you know, 2019 and 2018. Um, because I, this was it, I just sort of felt that like, you know, at some point this wasn't really, I would either, I was approaching it wrong, or this was like, not the way the world should be working right now. And I think it was a lot of it was, this isn't the way the world should be working right now. Right. There was some obvious friction trying to adapt to this sort of pace that is being, you know, I, I can kind of dictate it only to a certain point. When you have 107 songs in your head from six different bands and you're rolling into festivals or uh, a short run of shows and just having conversations with people that like don't have that kind of schedule, you could seem very vacant, <laughs> you know? And I think that's where I'm at, where I was like having a hard time connecting with people because I had like, you know, I had to hop on an airplane at five in the morning and I just woke up and it's 10 at night and I got the gig and I kind of know the tunes, you know, it's like, this is a kind of a crazy way to live now that I look back on it. Do you um, think post COVID there will be a different approach to things or like we've talked about during the podcast, you know, just approach to traveling and touring in general, but for yourself, do you think you'll look at it differently? It depends if I'm able to create the opportunities I need to say no to the things that are just sort of naturally going to be there. Um, so that's what I'm I'm trying to do and take the time to do. Um, because a lot of what I'm saying right now in, in terms of my own feelings about those years previous is um, just a part of the way I was feeling. You know, it was also a really incredible time. And I toured a lot and it was my most successful years, you know, working. So that was, and you know, that's an incredible thing. Um, but I would, I definitely have to think about, I definitely have to think more about how I lay those things out moving forward. If there were a return, a, a return to a normal schedule touring wise. But I just don't think there will be for a while. Yeah, it'll be different. You know, just like the previous pandemic changed our lives. You know, we're watching the Ken Burns series right now on uh, the Dust Bowl. Fascinating. I've heard that phrase all my life. And to actually learn about it. Did you ever look at that, what went down in the 30s in America? You, but you've, heard, you've heard it. These days. Say again? Where are you viewing that on? Netflix. You know, Robin found it somewhere. It's either Netflix or Amazon. One of those two. We, we tend to watch those a lot. And um, it's been fascinating. I didn't know. I'd heard about it. And I knew, oh, yeah, the, the soil was fucked up and some farmers didn't do well. You know, or, that sucks. I really didn't realize how widespread it was, how long it went for years and years, and what led up to it, which was the, the explosion of wheat. 
and everyone started growing wheat. And it's never a good idea to grow the same crop over and over and over. You're supposed to crop rotate. And, but wheat was just blowing up and then became a world commodity. And uh, I didn't realize this. It, you made so much money on it. People were buying land, like New Yorkers and, and people from uh, outside of Arkansas, Texas, where all this was going on, Oklahoma. They would just buy the land sight unseen, a couple hundred acres, come out there, get some help, plant some wheat, and leave. And then just come back, and they had millions of dollars. So anyway, this went on and on, and they wrecked the whole area of America, and they got the Dust Bowl because when the rains came, you know, the soil wasn't good enough, and when the, when the different storms came, that loose soil became dust. And they have films of this. You couldn't see your hand in front of your, your, your you know, uh, face. And, it dist and then the, 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 the Great Depression happened on top of that all. But my point here is that it utterly and completely changed the way the Midwest is set up to this day. There's areas that are still kind of monocrop, not much of economy. You know, when they were heading towards a whole different economy in, in the middle of the country, they were planning to, like, really build cities and have all these things. So it's a funny thing. Um, that's 90 years ago, and it utterly changed forever so far. You know, um, so I think this changes us forever. I mean, not not just the clubs closing and, and the stuff, but all the stuff we're talking about, the difficulty that a small club owner will have, uh, the insurance problems and all this, um, and the guarantees. I, I'm reading about Live Nation. Again, they kind of set the stage, and it trickles down. Live Nation moving forward is not really going to be doing guarantees the way they did. you got to be a major, major artist now to get a clear-cut guarantee. Right, because how would they be able to afford to send out deposits and whatnot if they don't know if half the crowd's going to get sick two days before uh, <laughs> the, because there was a super spreader event that no one was taking you know, the, yep. the right precautions and whatnot? That's the first couple of years. And then also, they're... A corporation, and they would have lost two billion dollars by the time the next shows start. So they're not gonna—they're gonna try to get as much of that back as they can. So, so I'm very concerned because bands like the one I work for, yes, where we do a fair amount of shows that aren't sold much more than 50, 60 percent of the room. That shit doesn't fly anymore. No, not unless you're, you know, playing a really a small capacity room, which yes, can't do with their production and the band and the overhead that they would need just to fly the guys over rare when it wouldn't be uh, worth it. It's rare. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, John, have you, what have you done in the, in the streaming realm? I, it was good to see both of y'all on that streaming workshop. What have you been doing for streaming? Um, right now I'm trying to figure out, uh, well, I did a couple of events for charity and a couple of events for um, where me and my dad played uh, and we set up a couple mics and we were able to get a nice camera and, and get it worked out. But beyond that, I'm not really someone who like gets on a mic and talks too often. So this is new to me. I probably am going to try to do this more. Um, and I have all the equipment I need to do it. 
Um, so not a whole lot yet. I've, I've mostly been working on records. I've got my own record coming out. Um, I'm working on a little EP with Bobby Vega. Um, I've got a whole bunch of Kimok stuff I, I helped produce and mix um, over the course of this year. Great. Beyond that, I've been playing on a bunch of people's records. And all those things combined keep me pretty busy aside from family stuff. So I haven't been doing this, but I want to do more. And it's, it's a way to connect and, and sort of see some good people. And and, talking with you guys, we should do this like kind of more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and you're sitting right in your studio. So people send you tracks. You have everything mic'd up and you just track right there. Get right here in the computer here. And I just, it's, it's kind of, um, it depends on how, how much the person really wants a take versus a solid. Um, a lot of the people I've been working with wants, want some sort of like elemental thing. So they want everything separated. So I'll do like a, a drum take and then I'll do some electronic stuff on it and some, some, uh, tambourine and just give them a bunch of options um and that's been really fun and it's been keeping me somewhat uh, uh you know keeping keeping me sane and and giving me a little bit of money for groceries and stuff like that but beyond that i know it's kind of a kind of a little a glorious um window of time where people are doing this i don't know if it's going to continue It'll yeah uh, I think what what continues is um, uh, uh, the people with the skills, like yourself. The people who are, you know, really, really great players are going to be the ones who uh, uh, we're going to sift the wheat from the chaff. Not to go back to wheat, but I think that's where we're headed. You know, I was off. I was on a call right before this with a guy named Neil Alexander. Do you know that name? Monster keyboard player. Sounds very familiar. Yeah. He, you know what? He was on, I think, one of the the Todd Reynolds things. Yeah, actually, yeah, he was one of the guys. He's this monster player. He he was in the band, you know, the Pink Floyd band, The Machine? Yeah. Okay, so he's the original keyboard player. He was in there in the 90s for years. So he's a monster player. His favorite thing is, like, uh, Jan Hammer and Joe Zawinul, actually, Weather Report. He was in the Mahavishnu Project, so he knows all that shit. Oh, okay, so I definitely met him. You've met him? Um, yeah, yeah. He was in there when it wasn't Adam Holtzman, I guess. You know. Oh, okay, yep. So, so monster, monster guy, and and so he's a guy where I'm. He's, it's all kind of new to him. He's bought a mic. He's bought this. He's getting into streaming again. He was on the workshop like we were, and uh, I'm helping him with a couple technical things and helped him a bunch with OBS and stuff. But I think he's another guy, you know, um, where. Um, because he was talking about, you know, oh, everyone's streaming now. And I'm like, yeah, bro, but not everyone could play like you. Mm-hmm. This, And I said, when you look around and you look at this, the Snarky Puppies and uh, Jacob Collier and Cody Henry and uh, 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 Domi, right? J.D. Beck and, yeah, you know, and uh, Domi, yeah. Oh, amazing. Bent Knee and then, you know, Johnny, all the products, projects you're in. You know, there's a whole bunch of younger people who can play their ass off. They have young fans who understand that difference, so I think there's a there's a thing there of, of um, where we're gonna sift out and we're gonna, we're gonna have the burning, kind of you know Lewis Cole. Are you guys fans of his? 
Yeah, right. With um, Nowhere. Nowhere. Yeah, and also yeah. his band. You've seen like his big band with the horns. Mm-hmm. Fuck that dude. And then the clown thing in the. in the. Oh, right. That's right. him. I forgot that that's him. So, you know, I, I, my point, though, is that in all of the noise and all the shit, stuff that's really good is going to actually mean something now in the next year. I, I, sure. It's going to be a very exciting and interesting time to see what rises to the top. And like I've said, you know, certain artists and bands will age out. Crew guys will age out, you know, just because of, you know, um, the pandemic and what we're going through. Yeah. I know so many guys. No, that's a great point, man. I'm going to be 56 in a little over a month. And, you know, I I would do it a bunch more years. I'm I'm pretty healthy and, you know, I'm fine on the road. But I definitely have... The last couple of tours, I've definitely been like, okay, do we have a plan? Do, you know, before we fucking crush our fingers in a truck door or some bullshit, you yeah. know, what what what's going on here, bro? You, you, you want to fuck your knee up? Fucking loading some, you know? Because crew is kind of a bullshit, non-insurance, no guarantee job. It's kind of dark actually right (laughs) and we love it so much i know and here we are and none of these motherfuckers have 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 you know yes hasn't written me no check saying oh man we're so sorry you know we actually have three million dollars a year that comes in from old records we're gonna oh my god you guys have been our crew for decades let's would you like a one-time check to have some bills to pay no and, and so the- I've thought how easy it would be for them to any band or major artist to even just sell a T-shirt and the, you know, the proceeds from selling a T-shirt would be able to pay their yeah. their crew, you know. Um, What's that, John? Oh, no, I was just saying that I, I, I know some bands who have done that and I know some some ba- I mean, some of our friends, Ben, that are Grammy award winning in in Grammy award-winning bands, if that means something to you, are like they're they're doing Instacart right now, right? Or they're living at their mom's, or I mean, like this is true, true. You know, when we're talking about our industry and and our our people, our crews, our uh, stagehands, in, uh, musicians, um, on that level of things, you know, that, that we don't really control or we're not really like a part of those emails that get sent around that sort of say where things lie. Um, it's a, it's a different world. And especially speaking to the, to the crew side of it, I think that that is a conversation you guys should have with some more people, you know, with art, with artists and management people or other crew people, (laughs) other crew people. Yeah. Where where it goes because I think the crew you know the crew needs each other. Yeah, I mean, I th- that's a great point, and I'm on a very grateful. I'm on a a text circle with with five of the yes guys, you know, the lighting guy and the you know the the, the front of house guy and everything. It's funny though; two of the guys are big Trumpers, so. Mm-hmm they're not in the conversation you know it's kind of a funny it's a bummer but they don't want to talk about anything political so we're like all right then we'll talk amongst ourselves and and, and so that's been interesting but we do we talk about it and it's a variety of, of 
opinions and, and thoughts. Some of the guys are racing ahead, just doing other stuff. The front of house guy is real busy with, you know, a, a sound company and installations that houses of worship and stuff. And and there's a yes, there's a there's a out of the six or seven guys, all in the US, one's one's in England, one's in Italy, there's a sense of like, okay, time to start figuring out another thing because um, even if yes comes back, it's not till 2022. So I need to pay some bills for, you know, a year. And if I'm going to do that, do, am I changing the, my whole, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, we're thinking about that too. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. It's, this is no, it's, it's, it, the thing that gets me through this is, is thinking a lot about, other times in human history. I, I go back to that a lot for my sanity. And I say, what are the other times that a massive, sometimes a pandemic, but, but a war or a famine or a drought or an earthquake, when has it changed humanity before? You know, and uh, I struggle with that, but <laughs> you know, it does make me feel a little better because I'm like, oh, okay, shit happens. And yeah. then there'll be a meteor. This is kind of like half exciting, half terrifying. And you know, really like the doom and gloom. I mean, it's it's tough in our heads for sure. But if you look out and see that, you know, things are still getting delivered and you can still get your food. And that's a huge thing. It's huge. And 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 there's almost nothing to stop that, because even when people start breaking down in terms of in the food production and the packing they'll use robots mark my words that's that's the next move here but you're right i love that you said it that way that there's a little exciting kind of a wow this is a cool movie you know there's a bit of that and and uncharted I, territory that's it that's it and, and as fans of black mirror and the you guys know black mirror that show yeah. oh my god right this is like black mirror inside the twilight zone you know <laughs> and and it's funny because that's how i see it obviously happy to see you both do but I, I had a conversation with my dear friend Vernon Reed a couple of days ago, and he's going to be, um, as I think I said before, the, my guest on this Make Weird Music interview show on the 15th, Vernon Reed and David Torn. But we were talking, and, and I said to Vernon, as I've said a couple of times during this pandemic, I said, bro, thank you. I said, I quote you every couple of days. And he goes, what? what? And, and then he laughed because he remembered. I said, because... Back in February last year, when this was just starting to, you know, it was clear that shit was going down, right? And there was a virus, and it was coming. And Vernon Reed said, real sci-fi fans ain't tripping. <laughs> right. <laughs> Isn't that great? Because, <laughs> right, if you're all in and you've watched all the Marvel and the Star Wars and the Matrix and the da-da-da-da-da, and you've gone through... Because that's what it's about, right? Shit happens on a planet, and there's a horrible virus. I don't know if it's ready. Say again? I don't know if it makes you ready, but it definitely preps you a certain way. You're thinking. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And it makes you go, okay, it's, <laughs> this is what went down in Alien. Okay. <laughs> right, it's somewhat believable. <laughs> what we're living through right now was completely unimaginable i think to most of 
the people my age. I don't, I can't really speak to what everyone else has gone through at, at, in different decades, but it's, it, you could couldn't couldn't make this up. It's it's really strange and and difficult, and it's it's such a curveball to what we were raised to think was happening that I think it's like the perfect test to sort of sort of how are you going to come out the other end here? Um, yeah. And it's really going to take, it feels really long, but I think it's taking less time than it probably ever has taken for something like this to, you know, just change. And now we're off into a whole new, you know, way of life, basically. Um, I think we'll adapt to it. Um, but it's just, you know, we're really like, we're like halfway into, uh, into the strange um, Black Mirror episode. No, I think you're right. And, and that's a great point about the generational thing. Totally agreed. And I've had that thought. And I think actually your generation and, and uh, it, it's, it's a spectrum, but somewhere from your generation and certainly younger than you um, to somewhere around my generation, somewhere around people I went to high school with, for instance, um, where we've grown up in a world where you, because of technology, because we grew up during computers and during smart devices and all this kind of thing and genetically modified, like this idea that we can control nature and move it around and do what we need, do whatever we want. I think there's an interesting thing. Those of us who've grown up those last two generations think that humankind has a grip on nature. You know, we, we, we just kind of, that's our lives. We, you terraform and you build highways and you knock down, you put dams up when you don't like this river, move it over here. You know, it, we're the first couple generations who's grown up with that, space flight and all this shit. So now something happens where nature elbows you aside and goes, you know, when I feel like it, some shit goes down on this planet. See, we haven't had to deal with that. Um, I've been obsessed, for instance, with the smallpox story alone. Do you know there was smallpox like 10,000 years ago? No, I know that. Dude, you want a rabbit hole? Just there's a couple of videos. Yes, ancient Egyptians, biblical times and before biblical times, which is the Egyptians, they had these plagues, which we now know are smallpox. How do they know? Because they described it and the physical ailments are exactly the same the pustules on your skin they talk about it in their mm -hmm. the written record people dying and, and thousands of people but they called it a plague and they said it was god and they said it was their enemies and all this so it was kind of clouded in mystery and they didn't understand it they just they thought the pharaoh from the other river sent a curse and and all the people ended up with these red spots and they died we now know oh motherfucker it was a plague we also have biological info because there's mummies, there's bodies. There's, so they've looked at DNA. So smallpox goes back that far. And we only got rid of smallpox, I, I forget how many, 20 years ago or something. Yeah, and, and, and there's also still cases still found today uh, because there's a new wave of people not vaccinating their kids and that's crazy. You know, <laughs> yeah. So again, I think our generation, and you said it, John, has never had to deal with anything that 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 just shuts shit down. That's that's it. But they have. Do you know there was a pandemic, a swine flu, in 1969, before and after Woodstock? Did you know that? No. Where? Did, what? It's crazy. That's another one. Just Google it. We're so lucky 
that that was one that that that's that that dropped down because of the hot weather. You know, every virus is different. This idiot president thought this one would go away by Easter and all that. And some viruses do. They get a little lower activity in the warm weather. The flu is one of these, right? This was different. And I remember even in February, I read it and I was saying back to people, I was like, guys, don't depend on that. This thing's in tropical Asia right now. It doesn't care about hot weather. And we still stupidly thought, oh, it'll be fine in America. Anyway, the one in 69 was like that. Go look it up. And it was a horrible flu with tens of thousands of people sick. Uh, thousands died in, in the beginning part of 69. And, and fascinating, if you look at some articles, there was people before Woodstock, like in, in, let's say, April and May when they were planning it. And people were saying, you really shouldn't do this. This fucking flu is happening. And, and, and they, they went ahead and did it. And um, they were lucky because, again, it was down to almost nothing. And in the winter after Woodstock, it came up again and, and, and killed a lot of people. A lot of people were sick. But that's funny. I, I had no idea of that until I, two months ago I saw it and I read. Um, but, you know. Right. Uh, and we're seeing those similarities with this virus where it's not particularly going away, but we're seeing waves of of yeah. numbers and, you know, the number of deaths, I think they said, which this number is crazy to me, but one in 900 Americans yeah. have now died or infected from, yeah. uh, you know, COVID. So yeah. that's a pretty crazy number. Um, cause I know that we've all been around 900 people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I get the argument of some of these other people, which is like, well, you know, then they should stay home if you're not safe. <clears throat> I get that. But unfortunately, young people go out and get it and they're not all doing OK, number one. But then they give it to their parents or their grandparents. Mm -hmm. So, you, you know, um, or your or your mailman who goes home and gives it to his wife who has a elderly can't. parent. You know, there's right. just so many different variables. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, it's strange how much um, it's cycling through the population and how quickly people with that attitude normalize it. Well, it's like, you know, I'm going to get it and they're going to get it. And it, it is kind of happening that way for a lot yeah. of people where their relatives aren't dying. They're just getting it. Sure. sure. And they get over it. And so they're sort of like, well, okay, well, that was that. And now we're sort of okay for a while. You know, I, I just, I don't really like that perspective as much and i have friends that own small businesses who have stayed open through this and i under also understand the reasons why they had to stay open yeah. uh, and i know that they have nothing but but that small business and that's what it is but i definitely don't agree with everything that goes along with that because you know you wrap up so much political strange divisiveness in 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 that line yeah I don't think it's sound. I think the way that approaching it, like you said, you know, you, you, you talk to all different types of people and you're, you're keeping dialogues open and keeping your mind open and not just closed off to whatever it is that you think during this time. You know, I think that's a really awesome thing, you know, that not a lot of people do. Yeah, it's um, and I get it. The small business. I have several friends that own clubs. To me, the sad part there is it's the failure again. Just like the, 
the testing and the vaccine thing is a failure because we don't have a connected national health system. It's that simple. We have 200 different corporations that all own hospitals that kind of talk to each other, but they're kind of cagey about that. And you have different states with all the different rules. It's a nightmare. Every other country that's at least on the second or first world level has an organized system and they're doing it. Israel leads the world. They've vaccinated something like 13% of their population almost. It's astounding because they have a 21st century medical system and they plug in and, you know, and it's a small country, but still per capita, you know. Example. Yeah. Yeah, and um, that's the thing. I mean, I don't think that size has anything to do. I mean, Israel's the size of New Jersey. Yeah. But that doesn't really, to me, the denseness is there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know. And there's, yeah, yeah, there's some differences, but we just need to do them times 50. Sure. Um, and the health insurance companies, there's a thousand in America versus one in their country that's not fighting all over each other. And then, you know, being that your health insurance doesn't cover you in that hospital, like yep. that doesn't happen in other doesn't countries. Happen. You know, happen. they just, oh, you're sick. You need to get help. Show We're us your ID. Right. Provide you help. Oh, okay. Great. Um, but here, it's like you walk into a place and they treat you differently if you have a different kind of insurance. Nightmare. Um, Nightmare. You know, and, and to John's point of business owners who our heart goes out to, other countries are putting the money into that. that that's the other sad part. You know, we just saw this vicious fight over this bill, right? It finally went through. And so much pork. What the fuck? We've all seen the headlines. We don't need to go over them. Hundreds of thousands of millions, a hundred millions going to all kinds of programs and this and that. And you're arguing over giving us a lousy two, two thousand or six hundred, you know. Yeah. When they uh, make fourteen thousand dollars a week on average. When 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 they should be having businesses be able to apply and say, OK, small venue that John's talking about or. Well, the money is already there. The money wasn't distributed correctly because the person who put that person in charge is a pr movie producer. Right. He's not anyone who should be in charge of a treasury yeah. of any whole you know. thing. You know. So it's to me, it just comes down to we've just had the worst plan or lack thereof, and no we're just and we're just dealing with that uh, <laughs> Black Mirror episode currently, right? Because of it through. Right, right. But hey, Andre, this has been so amazing. I, 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 I love talking to you. I miss you so much. Um, I can't wait to tour in some format with you, um, you know. or just to be in your in your immediate company. It will um, second that. We all have to join forces. No, we do. We do. And you know, John, did you ever did, did I ever tell you I, I worked a show or two with your dad? I was on crew. Do you know that? On on um, no, I didn't. I don't think. I I think that I just knew you through Ben and and Project Object. Yeah, well, give him my regards. Love him as a fan, as a guitarist. You know, wow. First time I heard your dad twenty some years ago. Jesus Christ. And what's what's interesting about your dad? I I say this about people. You know, I talk about guitar stuff all the time. There's guitarists who inspire you, and you go, oh man, I got it. that's cool. Let me try that out. Let me learn something. And there's a handful of guitarists, just very few, 
and your dad's one of them, where you just want to break your shit. <laughs> no, you just say, what am I doing? Yeah. Why do I even own this gear? What is this guy doing? No, it I, makes you I, feel like a guitar owner, as <sighs> Alex Makachek would say. I mean, you just you can't wrap your mind around it. So, so give him my love. But I'll tell you real quick, I, and, and this is how you can remind him, because I go, who the hell's that? But just to remind him, we did, I think it was two shows. In, um, he opened for Mo in Germany, of all places. Remember that? I don't think I'd, I'd, I was there, no. No, no, you weren't. It was solo. It was him and another guy, American guy. And, um, but, I mean, did you ever know that he did that, open for Mo in Germany? I just found out that he's done gigs with, like, I mean, he's very, he's, he's got little things come out, but I haven't heard. <laughs> so, so anyway, tell him I said, hi, we did, we did two wonderful gigs. I think it was a little club and then maybe a festival or something, but I, um, it was him on an acoustic guitar and, and an American guy friend of his. And, and he sat in with Mo, uh, you know, on a song or two. And I, um, I, I, I he didn't have a tech, so I just kind of, you know, helped him a little bit, move some shit around, it, but it was really a great, a great time to get to hang with him for a day or two. So, tell him I said, "Hey." Insane, man. If we all think the way that we're thinking, and and we want to change some things, let's let's keep it keep it rolling on here. And 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 when we're ready, let's have something where we can all do this together. It's important, you know. It is. We and we will. And uh, for everyone listening, uh, Andre, just remind everyone uh, when your podcast is on Mondays. Right. So my socials are at Guitar Tour. That's how you can find me on Twitter or Twitch or Instagram, at Guitar Tour, one word, lowercase. And my website's guitartour.net. And my, my veg-friendly show is called Meatless Monday Meetups. And it's every Monday at 3 p.m. And then you can go to meatlessmondaymeetup.com. And then that's or any of my socials. And, and I promote it there. So that's uh, and you, you, you'll hear about all my music and stuff there, too, which I do a lot of. Right on. Well, thank you for joining us. And thanks, Johnny, for joining us as well. And um, this has been fun. I miss of you course. guys. Miss you and, guys. Love uh, you guys. Hang yeah. in there. And we'll talk soon. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, man.